Thomas and Friends Storytime Once Upon a Train Fairy Tale Stories starring Thomas, Seven Tiny Engines and A Big Bad Storm Based on the Railway Series by the Reverend W. Audrey Created by Britt Allcroft, read by Mark Morahan and Friends This episode is brought to you by Milkshake Watch Thomas and Friends every morning on Milkshake and also stream the series on My5 for more exciting adventures. And now it's story time. Once upon a time, there was an old toy maker who was putting the finishing touches to his latest toy. It was a little wooden train with six small wheels and painted bright blue with a yellow number one on its cap. The toy maker stood back to admire his handiwork. I shall call you Thomas and soon you will make a child very happy. Although you'd make me even happier if you were a real train. That way you'd be able to help me carry the heavy branches from the forest. That night, while the toy maker slept, there was a puff of sparkly dust and a fairy appeared. She hovered over the toy maker and smiled at his kind face. Then she turned to the little wooden toy train and waved her magic wand. Magic dust rained down and when it cleared, the little train had a face, a cheeky face. Suddenly, its eyes snapped open. I can see. Then it took a deep breath. <gasps> I'm alive. Then it rolled forward along the tabletop. Stop, said the fairy. You must be careful. You are only small, but if you prove yourself to be helpful and brave, then I will turn you into a full-size real engine. Thomas the little wooden engine smiled. But you must always tell the truth and never tell a lie, or your new nose will grow longer and longer still. And with another flash of sparkly dust, the fairy was gone. The next morning, the toy maker was excited to find his toy train had come to life. He asked Thomas to go to the forest to collect some wood so he could make more toys. Thomas was very keen to help. I shall bring back all the branches I can carry so you can make lots and lots of toys. Hang on there, Thomas. You only need to carry what you can manage and come back straight away. We wouldn't want you getting lost on your first day now, would we? Thomas agreed and raced from the workshop. Not long after, Thomas was returning from the forest when he was spotted by two diesel engines who were pushing some trucks. Hello, little engine. What sort of train are you? You have neither smoke nor steam. I am Thomas, the wooden engine. I've been to the forest to collect wood for my friend, the toy maker. 
Is that so? You're a really useful little engine, aren't you? <laughs> Me and my friend are taking these very heavy trucks to the fun fair. It's very hard work. <laughs> if only there was someone who could help us. We only need to push the trucks around that next bend. Well, I can help you. But surely you should be heading straight back home. Not me. I don't have to go straight home, said Thomas, fibbing a bit, at which his nose grew a little. The diesel engines were puzzled by that, but quickly accepted Thomas's offer. While Thomas, keen to show how strong he was, raced up behind the trucks and gave them a mighty push. The diesel engines followed along behind as Thomas pushed the trucks around the bend. Then a little bit further, then a little bit further still, all the way to the fun fair. By the time he got there, Thomas was all out of puff. Thank you, little Thomas. We can take them from here. The diesel scuttled off with their trucks. That's when Thomas saw the fun fair for the first time. Thomas's little eyes were wide with delight. He marvelled at all the brightly coloured side stalls and the bright lights on the funfair rides. Then he heard a shriek, and looking up, Thomas saw train tracks reaching high into the sky, with a real train rocketing along them. Oi, Sunny Jim, where do you think you're going? You need to be over three feet tall for this ride," said the ride operator, pointing to a post with a line painted on it. Oh! Thomas scooted over to the post and stood on his tippy wheels. He stretched his funnel upwards, straining to reach the line. Plus, you've got to be aged four or over. Well, I'm um. Four and a half," said Thomas, fibbing a second time, and making his nose grow a little longer. And lo and behold, the tip of his nose reached the line. There. Thomas boldly jumped onto the tracks and raced off. And didn't he have the time of his life? Yay! He whooshed up. He whooshed down. But then, as he whooshed around a bend, he saw the roller coaster train thundering towards him. Oh, oh no! Thomas slammed on his wooden brakes, but it was too late. The train bumped into him and sent him flying from the tracks <laughs> onto the giant slide. <laughs> Where he slid down to the ground and shot forward, startling the crane driver who was unloading the coconuts and toffee apples. Plop, plop, plop! They went as they landed on the diesel engines' heads. Ow! Ow! Watch it! While Thomas landed in a heap in the hooker duck stall, the stall owner glared at him. It wasn't my fault," said Thomas. Fibbing for a third time, at which 
his nose grew even longer. Hugging three ducks on its way. Not wanting to stick around, Thomas made a quick exit. Thomas hadn't gone far when suddenly there was a puff of sparkly dust. And the fairy reappeared. She looked at Thomas's long nose and was disappointed. Have you been telling lies, Thomas? No. Oh, well, maybe a little. I'm sorry. I promise to always tell the truth from now on. And with that, Thomas's nose returned to its original size. And I should be getting back home straight away too, shouldn't I? Yes, Thomas, you should. When Thomas arrived home, he found a note pinned to the door. It said, Gone to the forest to look for Thomas. As Thomas read the note, he could smell burning. He turned and saw a trail of smoke coming from the forest. Suddenly, a treetop lit up with flames, followed by a distant cry. Help! Oh no! The toy maker's in trouble! Thomas raced into the forest, weaving through the smoky trees. The flames licked at his wheels and paintwork. Toy maker! Toy maker! Thomas, is that you? <laughs> Thomas found the toy maker, lying with his leg trapped under a heavy branch. Using all his strength, Thomas pushed the branch aside. Then he and the toy maker ran from the forest, just as a flaming branch crashed to the ground. <coughs> Thomas and the toy maker collapsed on the grass, exhausted. Thomas's face was blackened. His paintwork was peeling. In the sky above, there was a flash of light and fairy sparkles started to fall, which turned into droplets of rain, putting out the fire. Thank you, Thomas. I'm so glad to see you are safe. <sighs> Let's get you back into the workshop where I can clean you up in the morning. That night, while the toy maker slept, the fairy appeared once more. She congratulated Thomas on being helpful and brave. And then, with a wave of her magic wand, she transformed Thomas into a full-sized real engine with gleaming paintwork and a proper whistle. That's so you can always let us know where you are, she said. And then she was gone. Thomas was so excited to try out his new whistle. He woke the toy maker. Thomas, is that really you? <laughs> I can't believe it. Look at me. I'm all grown up. Now I can help you collect more wood than you will ever need. The toy maker was delighted. And so was Thomas. And from that day on, they both lived happily ever after. The end. This episode is brought to you by Argos. Parents, 
you can bring all your favourite stories to life with Thomas and Friends toys, now available at Argos. Create exciting adventures, collect Thomas and all his friends, and explore the wonder of the island of Sodor. Find the Thomas and Friends toy range at Argos or online at argos.co.uk. One not so bright and sunny day, confusion and delay was abound on the Sodor railway. The town clock had broken, and nobody knew the proper time. Percy was late with the mail train, while Gordon was too early with the express. Sir Topham Hatt was in despair. Oh dear, repairing that clock is going to cost a small fortune. How on earth am I going to afford it? There's no other way. I'm going to have to sell one of my engines. But which one? The engines were worried. All except for James. He wasn't worried one little bit. He looked into his magic mirror and asked, Mirror, mirror on my shed wall... Who in this land is most splendid of all? Why, you, O oh master. You are the most splendid engine of all. And the most reddest of red? Also you. And the absolute favouritest number one engine on the railway? That would be Thomas, your magnificence. What? James turned greeny red with envy. That scruffy little blue engine? Well, we'll see about that. James told Thomas that Sir Topham Hatt had a very, very important job for him. Thomas, you are to go to the mainland at once to a clockmaker in uh, Scarletville who has some old clock parts to get rid of. Yes, sir. I mean, yes, James. <laughs> Tell Sir Topham Hatt... I will be back before he can say... Confusion and delay! <laughs> and with that, Thomas raced off across Sodor, across the Vickerstown Bridge and onto the mainland. Not long after, Sir Topham Hatt came to the sheds. James, have you seen Thomas? I can't seem to find him anywhere. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, sir. But Thomas has left us. He said something about finding a better railway. One with a proper clock that always runs on time. <gasps> a better railway? Thomas? My number one engine? How could he think that? I know, sir. What kind of loyalty is that? Well, he can hardly be called the number one engine now, can he? Sir Topham Hatt walked off in a daze, while James grinned triumphantly. <laughs> now I shall take my rightful place as the top engine, the Steamo Supremo! Meanwhile, Thomas was crossing a misty moor before entering a dense forest. The deeper he went, the darker it became. I think I may have taken a wrong turn. Oh, I'm also running low on coal and water. Just then, he came upon a clearing, and in it he saw a small building. Then, as he slowed, 
he saw a set of engine tracks. They were the tiniest engine tracks he'd ever seen. And then he saw another set. And another. Three, four, five, six, seven. Seven sets of tiny engine tracks leading to the building. It must be an engine shed. Hold it right there, laddie. Came a voice out of nowhere. Suddenly, seven beams of light fell upon Thomas. He stopped. State your name and your business. Huh? I'm Thomas from Sodor. I mean you no harm. I'm travelling to Scarletville and I seem to be lost. Sensing that Thomas was no danger, the seven lights moved forward, revealing seven tiny faces belonging to seven tiny engines. Oh, and who might you all be? I'm McKitsy, and that there is McBitsy, followed by McTeeny and McWeenie and McMinnie and McSmall. And I'm McSqueak, said the final engine in a most friendly sort of way. Oh, glad to meet you, Thomas. And I'm glad to meet you too. Thomas asked them if they knew how to get to Scarletville, but they didn't. They'd never even heard of it. But then again, how would they? They've never even left the forest. We spend all our time here mining for coal. To fill up our coal hopper, so we have enough coal to help us mine for coal. Thomas wondered if they could spare him some coal and water, and if he could stay the night. The tiny engines formed a little huddle to consult on the matter, and decided that yes, Thomas could. But in return, there was a little job he could help them with. Well, actually... There's a ginormous rock blocking the tunnel. You're big and strong, so you could help pull it free. Thomas had never been called big before. He happily agreed, and jollied by the thought, the seven tiny engines all headed off to their seven tiny beds in their tiny engine shed, while Thomas settled down outside. Good night, Thomas! Good night, McKitsy, McBitsy, McTeeny, McWeenie, McMinnie, McSmall, and McSqueak. Phew! The next morning, the seven tiny engines led Thomas to the mine, tooting their whistles and singing a little ditty as they went. We're seven tiny engines with seven puffs of steam. Mining in the highlands together as a team. We like to toot our whistles and make a bonny tune. We toot at work, we toot at play from sun up to sun doom. From sun up to sun doom. Meanwhile, back on Sodor, Sir Topham Hatt was holding a picture of his little blue tank engine. Oh, Thomas. Where are you when I need you the most? While James was looking into his mirror. And who is the absolute toppest engine now? That would be you, your worthiness. And with his head bigger than ever before, James grinned from ear to ear. Back at the mine, Thomas had chains running from his buffer plate all the way into the tunnel where they were tied around the giant rock. Okay, Thomas, you can pull now. Thomas started to pull with all his might. 
was a groan, and the rock started to budge. Thomas pulled it all the way along the tunnel and out of the mine. <laughs> the tiny engines cheered and tooted. Now they could get to their new coal. That's when Thomas noticed the giant rock was glistening. Glistening with lots of shiny stones. But these were not just any old shiny stones. Diamonds! Oh, those silly things. They're no use to us. Engines can't run on sparkly rocks now, can we? If you want them, Thomas, you can have them. Thomas was stunned. Bust my buffers! Who needs old clock parts when you've got diamonds? Soon after, Thomas's cab was packed full of the diamonds, and he was all set to leave. Bye for now, Thomas! Long may your boiler bubble! Oh, thanks! And goodbye to you all, too! And with a toot and a chuff, Thomas sped away, all the way back to Sodor. Sir Topham Hatt was coming out of his office when Thomas raced into the station. Sir, look what I have. But there was no point collecting those old clock parts once I found these. Thomas, you're back. I was so... Uh, uh, old clock parts? What, what on earth are you talking about? The ones you wanted me to collect from Scarletville, sir. James told me. Scarletville? James? Hmm, I think I'm going to have to have a firm word with our James. But who needs old clock parts when we have all these diamonds? What's that? Diamonds, you say? Thomas explained how he was given the diamonds by the seven tiny engines. Now I can afford to repair the town clock. The railway is saved. I knew I could count on you, Thomas. My number one engine. <laughs> and Sir Topham Hatt... Quite forgetting himself, danced a merry jig along the platform. <laughs> and from that day on, Sir Topham Hatt, Thomas, and the rest of the Sodor Railway always ran on time and lived happily ever after. Except for James, who had the small matter of a mirror to attend to. No, wait, your most excellent of excellencies. Oh, radiant red one, you can't get rid of me. I'm your absolute favouritest number one magic mirror, remember? Not anymore, said James as he chuffed away. And the mirror was neither seen nor heard of ever again. The end. This episode is brought to you by HarperCollins Children's Books. Parents, make story time the best part of your day with everyone's favourite number one engine. New titles include All About Thomas and Thomas Goes on Holiday. The latest Thomas and Friends stories are available wherever children's books are sold. Each title sold separately and subject to availability. One bright sunny day... The Fat Controller decided to reward Thomas, James and Emily for being extra useful. 
by allowing them to design their own special sheds. I'm going to build mine from glass, said James boldly. So everyone can see me with a metal roof painted bright red and it will be the most splendid, glassiest, reddest engine shed ever seen. And I shall build mine from stone with columns and arches and a bell tower and it will be the finest, stoniest shed ever seen, said Emily grandly. And I shall build mine from... Um, said Thomas hesitantly. Something really useful? James and Emily pulled away with great enthusiasm, while Thomas was left wondering what he might use to build his shed. He decided to go to the docks to see if he might find anything useful there. When Thomas arrived, fresh cargo was being unloaded from a ship. Salty, the dockside diesel engine, was working nearby. Hello, Salty. I'm looking for something to build a shed. Salty looked down at the flatbed he was pushing. Oh, what about this wood? It's blue spruce all the way from America. <laughs> blue? Just like me. <laughs> That's perfect. Thanks, Salty. No, you're welcome. But you'd better get a move on. There's a storm a-brewing. I can feel it in me pistons. A big, bad storm, too. Like, Gusty. Gusty? Aye, matey. Legend has it that she comes once every seven years, a-rolling in off the sea. She howls like the big, bad wolf, and she can blow down buildings with one single puff. Thomas didn't really believe Salty, because he knew how much Salty liked to tell tall tales. A little later, Thomas's shed was finished. It was just like a log cabin, with rows of logs stacked on top of each other and a roof made of pine needles. There was a wooden door with a window and hanging over it a sign which read, Thomas's Shed. It might be small, but it's all mine. Meanwhile, further along the track, James was admiring his new shed. With its glass walls and red metal roof, it truly was the most splendid, glassiest, reddest engine shed ever seen. Not only do I have spectacular views of the railway, but every engine will have a spectacular view of me! Further along the track again, Emily was admiring her new shed. Although it could hardly be called a shed. More like a small castle, with its columns and arches and bell tower on the roof. Home sweet home. Meanwhile, down at the docks, a storm was brewing. Salty looked concerned. Well, blow me down. Time to batten down the hatches. The wind blew across the island, picking up speed. The trees in the whistling woods started to whistle. Further along the track, Thomas was sitting in the doorway of his new shed when the wind rattled the sign above his door. 
Then the sky turned very dark. Thomas looked up. It looks like a storm is on its way. At least I'll be safe and dry in my new shed. Suddenly, there was a mighty howl. Thomas jumped back into his shed and the door slammed after him. A howl like the big bad wolf. Could Salty have been right? Could it be the big bad storm? Gusty. It is. Little engine, little engine, let me come in. No, not by the steam of my chimney chim chim. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your shed in. And with that, Gusty huffed and puffed and blew with all her might. First to go was Thomas's sign. Then the door. Then the pine needle roof. Then the wooden logs. Until it was just Thomas. Oh no! My shed is completely blown in. Thomas raced off all the way back to Tidmouth Sheds where he hid between the bigger engines. Who wanted a new shed anyway? (sighs) Meanwhile, James was settling down in his new glass shed when the sky turned very dark. James looked up. Hmm, it looks like a storm is on its way. Well, at least I'll be safe and dry in my new shed. Suddenly, there was a mighty howl. Little engine, little engine, let me come in. I beg your pardon. I'll have you know I'm not little. Let me in now. I most certainly will not by the steam of my chimney chim chim. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your shed in. I'd like to see you try. And with that, Gusty huffed and puffed and blew with all her might. But the shed held firm. Told you. That only made Gusty more angry. She huffed and puffed even harder and threw down giant hailstones. First to go was the red metal roof. Then the three glass walls. Then the glass door. Until it was just James. Oh, no! My shed is completely blown in! James raced away back to Tidmouth's sheds. Who needs a new shed anyway? Meanwhile, Emily was settling down in her new castle shed when the bells in her bell tower started to ring and the sky turned very dark. It sounds like a storm is on its way. Well, at least I'll be safe and dry in my new shed. Suddenly there was a mighty howl. Howl! Little engine, little engine, let me come in. Emily was confused. Excuse me, who said that? It is I, Gusty, the big bad storm. Gusty the Big Bad Storm? Oh, very funny. Storms don't talk. Is that you, Thomas, being cheeky?
sticky again. Let me in now. Oh, I get it. Just like the fairy tale. Well, in that case, no, no, not by the steam of my chimney chim chim. To which you say, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your shed in. Exactly. Go on then, Thomas. <laughs> this will be fun. And with that, Gusty huffed and puffed and puffed and huffed and blew with all her might. But the shed held firm, and that only made Gusty more angry. Next came the hailstones, but still the shed held firm. Now Gusty became very angry indeed. She started spinning, turning herself into a tornado. She bashed into Emily's columns and arches. But no matter how much she spun and bashed, still the shed held firm. Ow! And soon Gusty started to become tired. All this huffing and puffing was wearing her out. <gasps> oh no! I am all blown out. I'm not coming here again. And with that, Gusty wafted back across the island and out to sea, and was never seen or heard of again. And Emily slept. Happily ever after, in her new shed. The end. Listen out for other adventures with Thomas and Friends Story Time. Parents, if you like what you heard, like, review, and subscribe to our channel. Tell your friends too. <coughs> Thomas and Friends is a registered trademark of Galen Thomas Limited.